come from recovery. Hopefully our experiences before and after, as they say, will bring us to a certain point that we're convinced or we believe with certainty that self has defeated us. So in a sense, he's already given us the solution because he separated the two, self and us. And in my experience, how, quote-unquote, I was defeated was I was identified as self. And it's an easy thing to check out because if you sat in this room and there's 25, 30 people, whatever, come in, and you asked, some, you asked everyone what had defeated them, and if they were in recovery, they would say self. But they wouldn't say self, they would say myself. This is where I found the difference. Self isn't what has defeated me. The idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity has no power over me whatsoever unless I'm identified with that idea. Yeah? It's the my of the self that defeated me, not the self. The self is just an abstract concept by a mental process. Yeah? It just pops up in there. But our awareness, or uh, the consciousness, it's not our awareness, but the consciousness that illuminates what we call a life, and it demonstrates itself in conscious contact, that consciousness identified with this idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, to me, is the root of the dilemma. So it has nothing to do with, I'm bonded to self against my own, wi- against my own will. Self has no bonding agent. It's the my that causes the bondage to self. It's on your side, so therefore, you don't need to be saved or find someone to save you. The solution is right where the seeming problem is. And my take on the whole thing is that you don't have to know what you are. All you need to find out is what you're not. And I like to go through the back door, so to speak. I don't try to talk about the pristine loveliness of the void or the emptiness of the universal whole or whatever like that. I just say, find out what you're not, and that's, that's the activity of what you are here. The activity of what you are here is what's conscious of what you're not. It is the same thing that's unconscious about what you are. It's the same energy that we are. One side, when you're identified as a self, you're unconscious to what you are. When you see that I'm not that, you're conscious to what you are. Not conscious to what you are, it's the act of being conscious is what you are. It's a verb, they call it being, B-E-I-N-G. We're here, we're not talking about a divine being, because that's creating a noun out of being. That's what happened here. There's been a demonstration of being happening through this apparatus, through this interface, through this conveyor, through this expression, through this telescope, let's say. There's been an expression of being, but that is all there is. There is no divine being. There is no noun in the verb of being. All there is is verb. And there's no noun to be found. And you will never be known as a noun. You'll never know being as a noun. It's impossible, because there is no doubt. And immediately, if there's the identification as this, this is causing me to sense life from being the subject or the noun, I cannot know the true subject, because I've already claimed the subjectivity. I've called it me. 
and therefore I won't recognize it. You know, because, but I'll be constantly looking for it, but I'll never recognize it. Because like St. Francis was supported, supposedly said, I don't know what he said exactly, but he said uh, this statement, what's, is that what's looking is what you are looking for. So how can that be? How can that be such a dilemma if what's looking is what you were looking for? It would be obviously easily to be easily defined, yeah? If you got that, what's looking is what you were looking for, you'd realize there's no finding it. It's already so. You're looking from it at this very second. But what happens is our identification as what we're not is the deterrent or the denial of all evidence contrary to that fact, because it's not a fact. So as when the identification with what you're not is, it makes what you are a goal or, a, or an achievement that maybe you, as the now, may want to know or may not want to know. That's not what truth is. Truth is not a topic for you to know. Truth is where you're living from all the time. The truth is that the truth is there's only verb here. There's only beingness being expressed. There is no nowness. It's just a sense of being. And you can see it in the body, and yet we can't get the message. Even the body's telling us. There's like thousands and millions of communications between all the cells and neurons going on, and yet you think you're a stable, separate little entity that had a bad day. <laughs> it's impossible. It's a joke, in a way. But it's, not, it's sort of a horrible joke if, you don't, if you're the, the butt of it. <laughs> so this is simply hoping for most of us that we, we have become at least somewhat convinced of what has defeated us. So we can save a lot of time explaining things and trying to talk about things. That we are going to give each other... I'm just going to expect that you know what it's like to be completely demoralized in life. And you know what it's like to feel irritable, restless, and discontent. And it, you know what it's like not to be able to be satisfied. And you have a deep convincing experience of that in your life, because hopefully that will open you up to what invitation is being offered here, which is, I found the best solution to this insurmountable problem, which it seems like that when you're out there living under it. This insurmountable problem, the solution to it is that it's imaginary. It's an imaginary problem. And if it is an imaginary problem, the only solution is to recognize that. That's the only solution to an imaginary problem. Applying any solution to it would be reinforcing the validity of the, of the problem. In other words, you're giving it the reality has by trying to get away from it. Yeah. <laughs> this is just a clear identification. I'm not that. And therefore, I, there's no more movement to try to know what I am. As soon as a recognition of what I'm not is there, you are that. That's recognizing what you're not. That's, that's it. There's no other step necessary. It's just to, rec just to tell the truth about what's happening and who's it happening to. If it's not happening to you, then it's just happening. So instead of seeing life as, it, as most people's minds' interpretation is life is happening to me, you're self-centered. Obviously, your whole life is centered in the idea of being a self, Paul. And you can see the examples of it all the time. You will see how everything pertains to you. It's just the way you view things. You are really the God of this place. You may have a God you think you love, but it's the self that's loving it, which is the God that you are. That idea. So, 
What we're attempting to do, very simple, is if I am not that, that's all that's necessary to be done, is a recognition of what I'm not. Yeah? And in that, the activation of your awareness of its real nature, which is awareness, will be obvious. To, not to you. Yeah? Because we've taken out the middle man or the middle woman where it can be very confusing. Like that statement in the old catechism, God is everywhere. Why wasn't I bumping into it? That always used to flip me out. God is everywhere. Hey, why didn't I run into him today? I don't feel fucking anything. Why is that? Because... I wasn't experiencing everywhereness. I was experiencing everywhere as a special somewhere, like a little gated community where God could be everywhere, but not where I am. Because yeah? I'm here. So this became a special somewhere, and I, you know, yeah, I know God's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, but it's, I have no access. I'm in a special somewhere. Selfing. Yeah? And not selfing. Selfing is not doing it to you. It's the act of identifying as a self. So consciousness has forgotten its nature, which is spirit, if you want to call it that. It's, let's say it's a, no, it's a no thing or a formless nature and has become identified as a form. Yeah? And the mental process that is part of the form, the brain, yes, the mental process that's making up a noun called you. So instead of realizing that the self is part of a mental process, you think you have a mental process. Instead of recognizing self is part of a, re a mental process, when you identify the self, you think you're having a mental process. You think the mind's driving you crazy. Yeah, you do. You think you're separate from the mind as that self and that you have a mind. That is... That is the identification, yes? So, instead of seeing life's happening, you see it as it's happening to me. It's, instead of, it's like this. Let's say today I'm having a bad day. So today, that is a problem to me. Big time problem. Especially if I want to drink, yes? And this could have a very big attack on my mojo there. So, that, that day is a bad problem. This is the big book of recovery. Yeah? And then the next day, I'm in a very fit spiritual condition, quote-unquote, and that isn't a problem. Then the next day, I'm not in a good shape, and it's a problem again. What is it? Is it a problem, or isn't it a problem? Or, base, or does it really matter what it is, but what meaning I give it? In other words, this really doesn't have a meaning to me, except the one I give it. So if that's what I'm doing all day, giving everything all the meaning it has, and most of the meaning I'm giving things is from the past, obviously, because this is a conditioned apparatus, all I'm seeing is the past every freaking day. Every, every, every one of my relationships is past. I'm actually, what I'm calling life is death, really. I'm, I'm in a death cult here, and what I'm scared shit of is life. Yeah, Totally scared shit of life. But I will, I will die to be right about death. This is living. Be able to talk about things in my head and narrate and interpret and spin instead of actually having the experience of, of what's happening, which is the conscious contact, it, has, it is immediately gets hijacked by my mind's reaction to conscious contact, which is, I'm having it. That's how the mental process claims life. Instead of recognizing that it is part and parcel of what's happening, it climbs out of that ocean of beingness 
and gets onto this little island of separation, this long-lasting, independent, separate atoll called Paul, and from there it claims everything that's going on as the doer or the one it's being done to. This is called identification as self. And if you looked at down the road and took it back to its source, you would see it's the root of all your quote-unquote problems. And even if you believe that or not, if there was an entertaining, I wasn't that first knot, you would have to begrudgingly admit that there, in that first knot, all the other knots of what you call your life, money, relationships, this and that, health, and everything like that, that a thread runs from this first knot to all those other knots. And how do you find that out? It's because when the truth is told about this, there's relief in all aspects of your life. You travel lighter. It doesn't change the terrain of your life. You know, you're going to get fired if you're supposed to get fired, have cancer, if that's what's supposed to happen to the body. But you'll travel lighter through every bit of your life. I mean, what greater gift would you like than that? That you can be assured that you'll travel lighter. Whatever the appearance of life has to offer in you, you'll be able to travel lighter through it. You won't be able to escape it, not as a body. But you will have a sense of escape because you're not the body. Yeah, it will allow you to travel lighter through it. And the beautiful thing is, the pristine demand of the moment as the only real thing becomes more and more obvious. The hold of the past gets looser and looser. A day is like Etch-a-Sketch. You ever see those Etch-a-Sketch things? A whole day is all these different lines and squiggly things, and then it's just erased, and then another, just like this. Basically, there's really no remnant about what happened. It doesn't leave a trace whatsoever. It has to be conjured up by thought. There is no thing called the past that you can use this present moment to return to. It's not a stop on the linear train of life. There is no stop called the past. You left that station a long time ago, and there's no redoing it. No matter how many times you want to go over what you should have done today, only one thing happened. There's no redo. You can't, like, call off the production. Okay, everyone, everyone leave the stage. Brenda, come How would this work out better for you? It's called self-will. It's not successful. But what occurs is you lose, really lose, either over time, either quickly over time, you lose interest in what's not happening. Where the whole idea of being in your head is about loving what's not happening. You actually use this moment of what's happening, you don't. The head uses this moment of what's happening to sort of cultivate and harvest crops that it planted in what's not happening. So when what's not happening, which is, let's say, next week, you could be destitute in your head. You may have cancer. Definitely your girlfriend's screwing your best friend next Friday. <laughs> Here you are on Monday. Everything's totally okay. But by you entertaining next Friday, an effect is caused. Shows up in the brain, the mind, and the body. So the poor brain, mind, and the body react as if next Friday is actually what's happening. And you could be in the most beautiful, pristine, lovely place, and you'll be flipping out. Why? Because you're not responding to what's happening, you're reacting to what's not happening. And this is the habit of mind. That's all the mind is doing. The mind is past. 
All thoughts are past. So basically, your whole take on now is a past take. And what you do is speculate the same past into a future. And instead of having maybe 15 events in your life where fear was really a valid emotion that was provoked by what was happening, your mind is creating mental anxiety every day. It's like found this little buzzer that it can create the physiological, it can't create it, it makes the physiological effects of fear without anything to be afraid of. <laughs> because you think about something that's not happening. How else can you travel to the future? How do you travel to the future? Where is it? How far? How many miles? Is there a hotel? Call up Expedia. I want a car and a hotel for the future. Yes. It's going to be a rough night, so make sure I have a stock little refrigerator when I get there. There is no fucking future. And there's no past. You travel there. How? How do you travel there? How do you get to the past all day? Thought, yes? How do you get to the future all day? Thought. So obviously the body isn't traveling there. Is it? You can be sitting here, you can be sitting here thinking about the future on a Monday night, and if we go over the surveillance tapes, which there is one in this room, <laughs> when we look at it, you would be there. It would say Monday, April, that you would be there, your body. No matter how much you were thinking about next Friday, you can't leave here. <laughs> That's this. You cannot take this and transport yourself to a mythical future. It's impossible. Nor can you go back to your little Disney world of the past. Yes? So basically, this doesn't go here, and yet your whole identification is about this. So what travels? What allows you to travel, seemingly, in the past or future? The only thing that travels in the past or future is another thought. And the thought is, I'm a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. That is your passport to the past or future. If you're identified as a mental concept, that mental concept can appear in the past and the future because it does not appear here because it's not real. So your attention and interest goes with it. Why? Because you're identified as it. You're fixated on this cherishing of this idea of being Paul. And Paul can only really appear to be Paul in the past and the future. So your attention and interest is like the magic carpet. This old idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity is the little rider of it, and then you go off into what's not happening. <laughs> All day, what's not happening? Oh, oh, you inside. Oh, oh, I'm having such a terrible day. You're not at all. You're not having a day. You don't. You're not even conscious enough to make it to make a judgment of how your day is, because it's a day that has passed long ago. It's just a rehashing of re-feelings and re-thoughts and reactions. Which means, re means to do again. So the head is just doing again every day, calling it today. And of course you're going to feel dissatisfied. Of course you're going to feel irritable, restless, and discontent. That's a valid alarm going off. Unfortunately, what answers the call is the problem. Your identification and says, oh, I hate this moment. I'll do anything to get out of this moment. It's not even in the moment that it's telling you you have to do anything to get out of it. It's just a thought from what's not happening. So the moment that you are dead set on getting out of, at any I will pay any consequence tomorrow not to feel uncomfortable now, but in fact, 
the now is your solution, but not the now that you're entertaining, because the now ain't the now you're entertaining. It's a then. Yeah. So you want to get out of that then so bad, but the point is, it's so hilarious in a weird way, because you're out of it right now. Because you can never possibly be in it. Because why? It's not happening. <laughs> but the, you're ahead. Does, it sees that sign, this is not happening. It doesn't get, boom, it just goes right in there anyway. <laughs> the first sign could tell you, it could save you so much trouble. It's not happening. But then what is happening? This conscious contact. How much more evidence do you need? You're not having one contact. You're seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and smelling. You have five doors to meet what's happening. Not one. I mean, maybe one if the doorbell rang, you'd miss it. But this is a doorbell, a knock on the window, the back door, <laughs> the skylight, and the cellar. I mean, how can you, your attention not be grabbed by this visitor? Called conscious contact. How can it not? It's coming through five doors. And it, Totally, I don't know. I really, today was a terrible day. You weren't even there. <laughs> now, in recovery, it says a really important statement to me. You know, the third step that says, hey, we've got to quit playing God. And he says, why? It doesn't work. Now, to me, I have a real flavor of what I sense is playing God, and this is it. To override what's happening with what's not happening is playing freaking God. To deny the invitation of what's happening and keep taking your mind's invitation about what's not happening is playing God. To wake up in the morning and be so sure you know how the day's going to go is playing God. To wake up in the morning and know so sure who you are is playing God and who they are is playing God. And it says quit playing God because it doesn't work. So here we are in conscious contact. Like it or not, there's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, or smelling happening, and you're also seeing thoughts. Yeah. This idea of being the thinker of the thoughts, I would question if I were you. I really would. Because if you're the thinker of the thoughts, then stop thinking bad thoughts. If you're such a big doer in your life, stop doing that. Think only good thoughts. Or just stop thoughts for a while. See how it goes. Stop. I'm not thinking today. So you would, th you would think you could say that because you've assumed you've been thinking every other day. But obviously the powerlessness over the activity must show you something. Doesn't it? You mustn't really be the thinker if you have no control over thoughts. Just like your own body. We think we're the big movement shaker. You can't even shit when you want to shit. <laughs> I've had a shit at the most inopportune time. When I really didn't want to have to shit, and I had a shit. Like on a long train ride in India, where I did not want to use the bathroom on that car, in that car. And I was, my sphincter muscle was trying to hold it back, but the shit was happening. And I had whites on, which was really bad. <laughs> so I couldn't, I couldn't cover up the, the accident, you know. Everyone was going to be revealed to all. Well, the same thing with your heart. Are you pumping the blood? Are you digesting the food you had tonight? 
Did you have a, oh, I'm going to save some of that burrito. I'll get to it next Friday. I'll put it over here. Let me move it in there. I'm just, I'm ready to digest the dessert. Did you? Can you honestly say you're seeing and you're hearing? Or is the idea that you are seeing an afterthought and exactly that afterthought about conscious contact? Where there's just seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and smelling. And then the mental process, yes, has a reaction to that conscious contact and says, I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm smelling. And there you go. Now you live an interpretation based totally on the past. And you lack the feeling of being alive and you're looking everywhere to get a rush. Yeah? You're looking everywhere, a savior to save you from this or do the next drug or buy the next iPad or something like that. Something has got to spark me into feeling like I'm alive. But that thing that's dying because it's not alive has never been alive. It's a mental process. You have always been alive. You have always been in the moment. You have never been out of a moment to have to get back into it. You are, there could not be a moment without you in it. I don't mean you as this, you. Without you in it, there could not be a moment. So to, to think, to believe that you could be out of a moment is the mind playing God once freaking again. So it says, oh, I'm out of the moment. And then what happens? It gives you a plan of how to be in the moment. Has they ever worked? Have you ever finished that self-help book? Have you? Have you ever read a whole self-help book all the way through to the end? It's usually you, look, 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 next one, look. I want to get into the moment. I, how can I get into the moment? Just entertain you can't be out of the moment. <laughs> You'll drop in where you've never had to drop into. I swear to God. The whole illusion just drops and you just realize the obviousness. Jesus Christ. You mean I've been trying to get here the whole time? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so really, the way I just present it is to see what you're not. So we try to, you know, depict it and make mental pictures of it so hopefully it will trigger something in you because your mind already knows. Like in, in old Buddhism they would say the ordinary mind and the enlightened mind are the same mind. Exact same. There's no ordinary mind that's a real solid thing. Hey, this is my ordinary mind and now I'm going to bring in the enlightened mind. Ordinariness and enlightenment is, a, is just a movement in one mind. Yeah? One mind. The ordinariness is an act of denial of the enlightened mind. The enlightened mind is basically realizing I'm not that. Whatever arises, whatever can be perceived, I am not. You don't say it, it's just a state. And so everything that arises is seen as that it arises, but the emphasis is, isn't on what's arising, but the awareness of it. Yes? And then the past doesn't seem to have much importance. Why? Because it's not happening. <laughs> Literally. I mean, isn't it the most simple reaction in the world? If you realize something wasn't happening, it would lose its effect pretty easily, quickly, don't you think? If, you, if I was scared shit in a dream of a tiger that was in the dream, yeah, I, was, I took classes how to stay, avoid tigers and how to fight a tiger or how to lay down and don't say anything when a tiger's around. And my whole life is consumed about trying to stay away from this giant tiger. 
But let's say it's Amin, this is the dream object, afraid of a dream object called a tiger. Then there's an awakening. Am I afraid of that tiger anymore? As soon as I recognize it's a dream tiger, it loses any kind of effect over me. Like that. That's what it's like. What's got you held in fear and obedience to selfing, when seen not to be true, immediately the freedom is activated. Not five years or ten years from now, but you travel lighter now. See, that's the beauty of it. It's not a layaway plan. It's not like, all right, send me you know, a subscription and you'll get a little bit every other month. You know? It's not like that. It's mind shifts from this, this calibration of self-centeredness and it shifts out of it. And just like they, some people would mention, for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. Yeah? Everyone has the eyes and ears, but it's a different thing of seeing and hearing. So the mind shifts, it's still, act, it's still expressing through this apparatus, but it sees anew. It doesn't mean it got new eyes, just the mind shifted. So it shifted out of what? Out of self-centeredness. There's no need to shift into anything. There's just a shifting out. And the way it's quote-unquote shifts out is you realize you were never the center of that system called self. Because the center is what's holding the system together. Yeah? Self-centered. When the self drops out, the system's hold on you is loosened, and immediately the calibration goes, quick, and your mind can see anew. Yes. And it's in the seeing, that's the joy. It's the hearing, the feeling, the tasting, the touching. The conscious contact, not so much what I'm contacting, but the sense of being conscious is the presence. The sense of being conscious is the presence. What's causing it to be absent in your life is the seeming presence of what you're not. So if I give darkness a reality, it can seem to be something totally distinctly different than light. Yes? But in fact, darkness is only the absence of light. So when the truth is told about the darkness, you don't have to affirm the light. As soon as you tell the truth about the darkness, which is its only absence of light, what happens? The absence of light is now presence of light. Because it's always been that case. Because darkness has no reality. It's just the absence of light. And it can only appear to be real here. In this dilemma, what we call this dream. Yeah? So all I do is tell the truth about the darkness. Yeah? And I don't even waste time with that. I just go to the center of the darkness, which is the idea of being you. And if I'm not that... Then the absence of light, there's light. And once there's illumination, you're not going to be confused. It's like here in this room, we go over this a lot, but if, if it got dark enough and the lights went out, then a lot of problems would ensue in this room. Now let's say I wanted to go to the bathroom. I wouldn't know exactly where it is. I'd have to go on memory, which is all the mind's doing now for us. And I have to try to remember how I got to the bathroom that last time. And then maybe I run into somebody and they get a resentment towards me and I hurt my knee because I hit this thing. And so all these problems ensue. Maybe I piss and make a you know, mess, whatever. And then someone has a great idea. Well, I think I remember how to get to the thing. So he starts selling maps here, you know, like little self-help books, how to get to the bathroom. And all like this. And then, oh, let's get some knee pads, yeah. You're going to definitely get hurt, but at least it will lessen the hurt. Okay, let me get some knee pads. 
And the whole thing, all these little cottage industries grow out of the darkness, you know, to try to illuminate your way so that you can navigate and get things. All, but every, the whole point is, is just stop for a second and turn on the light. Ding! As soon as light goes on, where are the problems? They were all, all based on the darkness. I can see the door that takes me to the hall, that, and when I get to the hall, there'll be a sign on the door that says bathroom. I don't throw the maps away. Knee pads, I'm free from these. I'm free from the bondage of knee pads. I'm free from the bondage of old maps. Yeah, and now I can just go. I, can, I won't run into you. I can see where you are. The whole dilemma is the absence of light. The thing is, we're... we're totally affirming the absence of light, and now we look for artificial lights to light our way. Always a savior or someone else. You are the light. What did he say? You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. He didn't say, I am. Did he say, I am the light of the world? Well, I'm saying, you are the light of the world. <laughs> <laughs> but you are the light of the world. So now you become the illumination in your life, which makes it the, uh, the possibility to enjoy peace is so obvious because if you are the light and you are always where you are in your life, yes, then the light is always available at all times to you, yeah, as you. That's peace. That's faith. That you can rest in. That you can rely on. Yeah? Not like we've relied on self because self is totally unreliable and obviously look at your lives. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I mean, we're way out to lunch. I mean, if we're not convinced yet, I don't know how much more convincing you're going to take. I mean, how many more laps around hell can you, do you want to take to finally admit, hey, this is freaking hot here. <laughs> Please. Christ. <laughs> so obviously our life is, is, looks the way it looks because we've been relying on something that's unreliable. This is will produce effects just like that does, but different ones, because you'll be relying on something that's reliable. Light, yes? Light has what? The nature to illuminate. Where you didn't know, and all you could do is speculate, or list believe in hearsay, or an old book, you'll now see, and hear, and feel, and taste, and touch, and you'll be your own freaking authority. You'll know in your own gut, yeah? what's so and what's not so. But not as a self, you see. That's the trippy thing about this system of self. Most people are trying to get out of self as a self. That's why they're not successful. They get little bits of relief here and there, but they never get a radical shift out of self because they're, self can never get out of self. A product of a mental process can never transcend the mental process because it doesn't exist outside the mental process. So the idea of being a self can never transcend the mental process and be free and run around like a free, free-range self because it's a product of a system and it can't transcend that system. It's not like something fell into a hole and they can climb out of it. It's the hole. Yeah? The idea of being a self stems from a mental process. So how can that product of a mental process leave the mental process? Self can't get out of self. Mind can't get out of mind. That's the dilemma, because if you're identified as it, you will not know you're identified as it. Yeah? 
when you're actively identified as self, you do not know at that moment you're identified as self. If you did, there would be a different way you'd be traveling. You wouldn't believe the house is on fire and that you really need a pail of water. You wouldn't. But if you totally believe the house is on fire and you need a pail of water, you better get a pail of water. Because you don't want to use a philosophy to try to put the pail, you know, the house on fire out. Yeah? This is not a philosophy. This drops into your gut and it becomes activated by living it. Yeah? And the reason why it's activated by living it, you cannot, it cannot not be. It's so. But it can be seemingly so or not so as a noun. But as a verb, it is so obviously so that all there is is life is happening. It is done. It's over. It's optionless. It's choiceless. And in that choicelessness, true resting can occur. But if you believe you did something to get this peace, that peace isn't worth anything. Because if you did something to get this peace, then you could do something to lose it. That's playing God. This peace doesn't have a second. It's not an opposite of anything. It's not one side of a two-sided coin. It's in and of itself a different nature. And it's consistency, or it's reality, which means it doesn't change, and it's always present, becomes obvious as you travel. It intimates itself as a verb to a verb. It will never truly intimate you at, intimate itself to a noun. It can't. The noun will always translate it into an object that it can have. It's the truth or peace or bliss or beingness. Like, I'm going to get beingness. All there is is beingness. So it's so beautiful because the mental gymnastics are really, really, they're not even like in ice skating where they do quadruple flips. This is like a lousy somersault. I mean, it's not even that good of a trick. But because we're such, we've been out for lunch so much, they haven't had a practice at all. It just runs the same old, same old, and you fall for it every fucking day. This is about me today. Yes, this is about me today. What is, how is it going to be about me later? How was it when I... So, conscious contact is always the invitation. If you look at it, how can there be a you that's in conscious contact? Did I see, if I, my eyes are open and a bird flies by that window, I'm seeing the bird. Yeah? Now my head reacts to it and tells me what I saw. I didn't want to see that. I hope I see a better one than that. Oh, that looks like my bird. How did it get out? No, 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 no. All this yapping goes on. But in fact, before all that occurred, there was seeing, yeah? hearing, feeling, tasting, smelling. Yeah? That's really what's happening. That's why. Conscious contact. So, it's a very, very nice little invitation. And you can't give it back because it was nothing. (laughs) I didn't give you anything. I didn't get anything from that guy. Hallelujah, I did a great job. (laughs) This whole place is about getting something. You've had so many somethings, man. Aren't you sick of somethings? Thousands of somethings. Another book, another subscription, another retreat, another prayer thing. And Jesus, on and on and on and on and on. This is nothing. And our shirts, shirts are good. They're supporting my lavish lifestyle. My lavish lifestyle. I like that shirt. It's really stylish. Who made that one up? 
Yes, the shirts are on sale. Very soon. <laughs> They'll be on the website soon. <laughs> With matching sweatsuits and leisure, leisure outfits. We got a belt buckle for the white belt. Beautiful. Zen bitch slap. One hand slapping. Any questions tonight? You get it, eh? You get a little taste of it? Yes. The message is not the envelope. These words are in the envelope. The message is an energy. Hopefully you sense it, yes? It's like cooking a souffle in an oven. Yeah. I've been like the little Betty Crocker. I've watched it thousands of times now. It's sweet. I can see it. It's rising. It's very nice. So everyone gets spiritual subpoena served and you get a little, uh, a little bit of spiritual, quote-unquote, food. And the certainty is not... This thing cannot be convinced. Do not waste a minute trying to convince the head. Because the head is dualistic, yes? So it can be convinced and it can be unconvinced. It can be so thoroughly convinced and five minutes later it's unconvinced. How many times have you seen it in recovery? The person is bemoaning, oh, I'll never, I'll never do that. And then you see him two hours later copping some stuff on this. <laughs> what the hell? He was, and she was thoroughly convinced. But what was thoroughly convinced can immediately be unconvinced. It's not personal. It's the construct of the head. There's another, there is another level of being convinced that I'm not that, that doesn't have an opposite. Yes? Because you leave the dualistic ball game and you enter the singularity. So what I am is singular and what I'm not is dualistic. When the singularity is seen to be what I am, there's no opposite of that. That's just what I am. Yeah? Who says that? We have this perception that we're in this space of a lot of other selves who are completely convinced, at least seem to be completely convinced of themselves. Right? And so I'm living, or I'm trying to be at this moment, there's no past, there's no future. So I'm going to have a drink because that, there are really no implications to it. If I live in my if I, if I live in my world, if I live in everybody else's world, there's implications and rules and it's There isn't any wine. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole freaking point. When you see something, let's say you've had a story for 40 years, and in a nanosecond it's erased and has no meaning to you, it's got to indicate, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. To me, it indicates it's unreality. That's something that had to be thought about so much is gone in a split second, or when you were surfing, or whatever, where there's all this story that you've been thinking and thinking about, and yet, in a moment, it doesn't exist at all. To me, why? Because it doesn't exist at all. Yeah? Something that took so long to build up and think over and think over, in one nanosecond of illumination, it doesn't exist. And that nanosecond is always available. The illumination actually shows the non-existence of what you're taking to be so real. 
Where? Can you grab the past? Where is it? Yeah? Where? Show them to me. Show me your problems. Bring them in here. Hold on one second. Bring them in. Yeah? Line them up here. Let's see them. The problems are what we think about. Yeah? I've seen people who've had horrendous things happen to them, and they were the, the, they were the, the person I would see most in Perth, Australia, was a lady dying from bone cancer because she was wide awake. Yeah? It was beautiful. One of the most beautiful events I've been privileged to experience in this place was her total illumination when having an incredible painful event in the physicality. Yeah? She was just awesome. This moment, what is there to think about in this moment? Literally. This apparatus, I like to use the example of a telescope. So there's a telescope, and the telescope has lenses. And the lenses, if there's someone that looks through the telescope, <coughs> makes it appear that, t that the stars are closer, yeah? Now, if you saw the event, the stars aren't closer. But to the, the, the person looking through the telescope, the stars seem closer, yes? So the lenses allow this event to happen. Without the telescope, this, he wouldn't see the stars. They'd be just flicking the lights, let's say. But now, because he sees, through the telescope, he sees the stars. So let's say that this body is a telescope, in a sense. And there's a place, let's say, this world. And consciousness, or spirit, is coming through the telescope. And by coming through the telescope, it can see itself as other. Yeah? So consciousness, that's all there is, is consciousness. If, when it moves through this telescope, it can appear to be things. Yeah? And so now consciousness, as a no-thing, is witnessing things here by seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and smelling. Yeah? And that consciousness wouldn't be able to have this experience without moving through the telescope or the body. Yeah? So the consciousness is moving through this apparatus and it experiences things. But what occurs is sometimes that consciousness becomes identified with what's facilitating this place to be experienced as what's experiencing the place. Yeah? So the consciousness forgets its nature and takes on the nature of the telescope. And now a, the telescope thinks it's what's seeing yeah? this world. But in fact, it's spirit. Because if you've seen a dead body, which I have, I've had a some direct, I remember I always used this story on Monday nights at the old place, which is, I had an uncle Fred who was very nice to me at relatives' parties. He'd give me money behind his back, and, he, you know, my mother wouldn't see him. So I liked him, obviously, he was buying me off and stuff, so <laughs> I liked Uncle Fred, and then uh, I was about nine years old, and Uncle Fred died, and they had a funeral, and they, my mother took me to the funeral parlor, and they had an open casket, and as my mother took me up there to see Uncle Fred, 
And as I was walking up, I saw Uncle Fred, and I had an incredible hit. That ain't Uncle Fred. Yeah. Obviously, without the scientist or without the spirit looking through that body, that body I was was not Uncle Fred. I was seeing. I thought it was Uncle Fred because I thought I'm the body. So obviously, I projected what I believed to be so onto him. But when the body was absent of that light, I totally had a realization, that ain't Uncle Fred. That's exactly what's happening now. Our consciousness has been captured by the mental process. We've become identified with this idea of being this, yes? And we've forgotten the nature, the true nature of what seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and smelling. And we've claimed a life that isn't ours to claim. Yeah? And we've become the proprietor of things that aren't ours, they are not ours to be the proprietor of. Yeah? So the body is now seen as my body. Thoughts now are seen as my thoughts, or I'm the thinker of it. Everything starts being claimed because the movement of the mind, yes, illuminated by consciousness, being identified as it, its first movement here is to claim everything. So it claims all examples of consciousness being in contact and says, I'm in contact. I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm thinking. And so it can't erase the fact that they're seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and thinking, but it, it hides the truth of that by claiming it as being the one who's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and thinking. And that's the source of the suffering. Some other times that were nicer, yeah, where I went out. But one of the things I came back with was when I was in this room and I was I had done a shot of heroin and uh, I did too much, yeah. So I was laying on my friend's bed. <laughs> was my which was my want most of the time. I was laying on my friend's bed and I was really feeling pretty good, yeah. And then suddenly the whole room went. But this also went in. <laughs> this, that thought everything ended here, was also part of here. <laughs> the body, <laughs> was the, which was the Alpha and the Omega, was a mistaken Alpha and Omega, because the body sucked up with the room also. <laughs> administering an anti-heroin drug called Narcan, and I came back, 
and Paul started again. <laughs> but there was no reporting of, from Paul about what happened because I was in the room with my friend David and his girlfriend, and it must have taken the paramedics and the police and all the other people that finally showed up a little bit of time to get there. I don't think they just were immediately in the other room waiting. So I must have been gone, seemingly, for a while, but there was no narration of Paul between those two gaps of appearance. Because the truth was the absence of Paul. The, the illusion is the appearance of Paul. Yes? The illusion of time, endless time, of selfing, is an illusion. That was what my head takes to be real. The reality was the absence of Paul. That wasn't a moment or 10 minutes or 20 minutes. It was eternity. It had no confinement of time. And it was like anything that ever happened in time had no reality in there. There was no reporting back. There was no message from the beyond. There was no postcards from Paul when he was gone <laughs> in this little netherworld. There wasn't a Paul. And the fact is, because there never has been a Paul. <laughs> That's the freedom. The freedom from Paul <laughs> is his absence. And you can sense that while it's seemingly present. You can sense the absence of Paul by its presence. You see? Because its presence is telling you what you're not. The appearance of Paul is demonstrating, I'm not that. Because what you are is not an appearance. You can't get validation for your existence by appearance. The appearance is actually invalidating your existence. Yes? By, by recognizing something is appearing is the invalidation of your reality. When something, is, when something is perceived, it cannot be what's perceiving. So this being perceived is not so. So this is the demonstration of its own absence. When you get that, that's the presence. When you're still, you're still affirming or, or, or just so convinced that the absence is present, the presence will seem absent to you, and you'll be running around, going to India and everything else, trying to find it as the absence. But that's why you don't have to find it as the absence. Just tell the truth about the absence. There is no Paul. That's the presence. stirs up the thinking pot, because that's what we're relying on. How can the past ever capture the present moment? The only way you can capture it is by making it the past. That's the only fucking way. And there is a present, you believe in a present moment, but it ain't the present moment. It's a present moment made up of past. Yeah? That's what's causing your unbearability. Because the past, the present moment made up in the past is like a dry cow. You can milk it all day. There's no milk. There's no nutrients. Yes? It's just 
it looks like you're getting something. You got the pail there, and you're doing the udders, and you know, but you're not getting any milk. So you have to make up a big story why you're not getting any milk, yes? And excuses and rationalizations. Oh, I bet you they're getting milk. No one's getting milk here. <laughs> missing anything. <laughs> no one's having milkshakes. No one. There's no vanilla strawberry, nothing. It's all story. So that's it. That's why we take in, in, in Hinduism, they call it neti neti, right? There was a little practice called not that. Not this, not that, not that. So what they would do, supposedly, would sit around and everything that showed up, they would say, not that, not that. And they'd get to the point where they'd go, oh, I'm not that. <laughs> See, because you're thinking, it sounds like it's a denial, but it's actually an affirmation. It's not a denial, it's the affirmation. I'm not that is what you are. I'm not that is the act of being what you are. So I I'm not that isn't like, okay, now I'm going to be something. No, I'm not that is the activation of what you are. So the, pre the absence becomes absent and the presence is obvious. Yes? I'm getting it anyway. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> My mind is just crackling. I'm seeing new vistas of, yeah, yeah. The hugeness of this mansion, unbelievable, seriously. Man, we haven't even gotten anywhere close to uh, its boundaries. Jesus Christ, we've been in a sm small archaic system called self-centeredness. We've crammed this incredible ability to entertain and to give meaning into this really small little closet. Yeah? And we're like a marathon runner with only four steps all day. That's why the mind goes too, totally neurotic. People are sitting somewhere tonight worrying about going over and over at why the newspaper boy missed their porch. I swear to God, they're spending hours and hours. They're not. The mind's just going off on some inane little idea. Yeah? Because this whole thing that's is like stuck orbiting around this planet called Paul, and it's driving the inhabitants crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Jeez. You want to get off the planet, we're telling you there is no planet. That's the good news. There's no planet Paul. There's no K Paul. It's like a pirate radio station. You're the only one who's you know subscribed to it. Fuck, if I was getting, you know, K Don, I would have turned it off a long time ago. <laughs> because you think it's about you, you're just listening to it. You're buying all the products it's selling. Oh, they're out to get you. Okay, I'll buy that. Oh, you're going to be a loser, Rashi. Okay, I'll buy that. You'll never be loved. Some people are really liking you that day. No, you'll never be loved. Oh, I'll buy that. So then you buy, I'll never be loved. What else does it sell you? It doesn't stop there. Once it has you convinced that you'll never be loved, it brings you to a point of, if you're an alcoholic mind, it'll bring you to the point of fuck it. And when you get to the point of fuck it, and you agree with that take, what is it going to do? It's going to flood in some new suggestions. Let's get loaded. Hey, yeah, let's act out with my best friends, girlfriend. Yeah, let's rob that bank. Yeah, let's do something. Yeah, Let's have some excitement here. <laughs> and there's no turning back. That, that train of selfies got a lot of steam going. 
You think you're going to get off? It's going to hurt if you jump it when it's going 30 miles per hour. The thing is, is never get on it at the station. See? Because it's always going to bring you to a point, I really need to do something. If you're not identified as an I, you have an immunity to that impulse. When this says, I really need to have a drink, I have compassion for it. It does really need to have a drink. But I'm not that I. So I have freedom from the first drink. So when we start claiming the I, me, mind, and thought, the immunity develops. Yeah. Do the thoughts decrease? Yes, after time. Because they, they don't, it doesn't matter if they decrease, the amplification will decrease. So you won't have much attention on them as you used to. It's not the thought, it's the my that's causing them to have power over us. Because obviously, if thoughts that were yours, supposedly, were running in my head, and there was a little subtitle saying, these are yours, I would have immunity to most of them. But because I've, I'm held, the, the head holds the thoughts that are happening here as mine, that's the bondage to them. See it. Check it out. Someone will come over to your house and want to self-over you. They're saying, oh, can I share with you? Basically, it's like projectile vomiting. <laughs> They're going to self-all over you. And you're sick and tired of it in a minute. You know, Jesus Christ. But you've been running the same thing in your head and been listening to it for 30 years. Why do you have such wisdom concerning their thoughts, but none concerning yours? Because they're there and yours. It's the, it's the act of identifying. If you check things out, you'll see the root. It'll lead you to the root. The system is constantly displaying its, its foundation. And you have the consciousness, you are the consciousness, to see it. But because consciousness is captured by the selfing, the self-centeredness, you're blind. Yes? You can't see what's going on in the name of you. As soon as it's not you, you'll start seeing it very clearly. It's a small, small system and very vindictive. It can be very, very mean. And it really got a chip on its shoulder. It feels like it's been hurt badly, and it has a sense of entitlement to take it out on others. It does it, you know, whatever you call that, passive-aggressively, sometimes really aggressively, but it's constantly trying to find where it can dump its little vitriol on. So usually it picks a significant other because it thinks love is a pass to dump all its shit on the other person. Yeah. And then if, you, if you're running some shit dumping and a stranger walks by, you usually shut up. But as soon as that stranger leaves, you're on her like that or on him like that. See how insane that is? You're afraid of what other people think, but you're not afraid of what you're doing to that other person. It's not you doing it, it's the mind going off. This mind is flipped out, it's pissed. It wants to be God and it doesn't have any power to be. It's using, it's hijacking the power that I would call God, that's you, and projecting it being the God. And it's basically doesn't, it wants to have a life of its own, so it has yours. Because it doesn't have a life of its own. So it absorbs all systems that you try and get? I find it does, yes, because of the self-centeredness. Because when you go, when you do something to get out of self, just look at it this way. Let's say someone, you recognize the problem as self, but you're identified as it, yeah? So now you sign up for a two-year course, how to get out of self. That would be obsession with self. Wouldn't it? You'd 
be so obsessed with self, trying to get out of it, but that would be more being in it than ever. See, when you see a lot of failures happening here, they're indicating something. Part of the system must be off if it's failing all the time. So if it is, pursue the investigation a little farther. Don't take a dogmatic answer. Don't take a dead answer. Don't take a historical answer. Find out for your freaking self. Buddha being great isn't going to make you happy now. It's easy to have dead masters. It's very easy. They'll never argue with your take on them. They'll be perfect just as you think they are. Oh, that's the basket. Oh, it's already. That's my signal to show.